Thank you for participating in this teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday. Go with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 4 to 6. And uh, I shall be reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Ephesians 4. Verses 4, 5, and 6. Ephesians 4, 4 to 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. This evening we are looking at the unity in Christianity, the oneness or the unity in Christianity. And I'm believing God that our teaching tonight will help to galvanize, to solidify our faith in the Lord and therefore our walk with God so that we will all be very knowledgeable in the nature and the character of God so as to be able to walk closely with him, even as Enoch walked with God. The unity, unity in Christianity, the title for this evening teaching, the unity in Christianity. In other words, Christianity is just one. One. You see, the unity or we say the oneness, unity or oneness of all believers. And in fact, all believers all over the world are one. We are one. And uh, this unity or oneness of all believers everywhere in the world from the time of creation, as many as believe in God up to now and beyond this time, our unity, our oneness is based on three things. Three things. There are three things that make all believers, most of whom we don't even know, but God knows them all. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are his. There are three things that we can base our oneness or our unity on. And the one we want to look at first is because of the 
by virtue, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit and the Father, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that makes all believers one. Because we have the same spirit. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. First Corinthians 3, 16. going to look at, we're looking at some things that make Christianity one. There's only one faith. Beginning with the oneness of all believers. So that the sister or brother you're sitting next to may not be your biological relative. May not be a member of your family. But because we are all one, we are even closer we are supposed to be closer to one another than even we are to our biological family members, unless they are also believers. And the first reason is that because we have one spirit that indwells and that lives in all of us, one spirit. First Corinthians 3, verse 16, the Bible says here that, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Yes, it is true that you have your own spirit that keeps you alive. You have your own soul that gives you consciousness and you have a body that is different from any other body in the world. But there's one thing that we, all, we believers all have in common, and that is the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Again, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. The same 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? And you are not your own. So, many places in the Bible, we are told, reminded, over and over again that, in fact, the body that you have, the body that you have is not actually your own body. The body that you have is not your own body. And that you are not even yourself. You belong to God. And uh, the distinguishing feature between the believer and the unbeliever is that the believer has in himself or in herself the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's God. God dwells in our bodies. And it's one spirit. And that joins, that joins us all together. And that's why in the church, we must love one another. No division in the church. One. There's always and there must always be oneness, unity. When it comes to Christianity, there must be unity. Amen? The second thing we look at is the new birth. Being born again. Christianity is the only religion in the whole world since time began in which a person is given a new nature, creation. That is called being born again or the new birth. And here we go to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. 
the new birth. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 and 17. The new birth. The, the, the other thing that makes us all believers one is the fact that we are all born again. We all have a new nature. The same new nature. Verse 16 says, that from, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one. We don't consider anyone according to the flesh. From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What the word of God is saying here that once we become born again, once we become a believer, in fact, you become more spiritual than natural, than physical. In other words, we shouldn't regard each other anymore according to the flesh. We shouldn't consider your brother or your sister anymore according to the flesh, but you regard him now more or her more spiritually. In the same way as they say, when Christ, when Jesus was with them, they knew Jesus in the flesh. They walked with him, they talked to him. But at this time, after his crucifixion, death, resurrection, ascension, though he was with them and though he is with us, we don't see him physically anymore. We don't see him in the flesh. We don't see Jesus in the flesh anymore. Yet now, we all know that he's here with us. He's here in the spirit. So now, we regard him in the spirit. In the same way, though you are seeing your brother and your sister in the flesh sitting to you, you should not regard him. You should not think of him as just flesh and blood. But think of him, think of her more as a new creation. A new creation is spiritual. A new creation is perfect. And that's what we all have in common. Being born, your being born again is not different from the new birth of the person sitting next to you. The same thing. We have this in common. And this is one of the things that, again, makes us one. One body. One body. We are not just two. As many of us are here, we are not just as many as we are here, but we are all one. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Then the third thing, finally, is union with Christ. Union, being united with Christ. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. The third thing that makes us all one, as one body, is 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And here there's a challenge here. It says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are 
disqualified. The Bible is saying that one thing that we all have in common is that we are joined to Christ. We are in union with Christ. And every believer is therefore being commanded, requested to examine yourselves, test yourself. You see whether you are really in the faith. And testing or examining yourself is not as, as simple as, oh, I am in the faith. You can't go to an exam room and say, oh, I pass, unless the results come. When you see the examination, you don't come out and say, I pass, unless you see the, the results. The results ought to show whether you pass or not. But we said that we should be honest with ourselves. We are supposed to be in the faith. Every believer is expected to be in the faith. Because we are all one. We are one body. One body. And for you to be a member or part of that body, you have to be united with Christ. Because Christ is the head. We are the body. Test yourself. In other words, be objective. Don't deceive yourself. Don't be delusional. So, I'm in the faith. I'm in the faith. Because there are evidences. There are certain things that point clearly as to whether you are in the faith or you are not. And we have just said one of them is having the Holy Spirit indwelling you with the evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. There might be evidence of that. And during the revival, I will touch a bit on this. One of the things that we heard from Christ is the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of having the Holy Spirit must be clear to us all. And then also test yourself to see whether you have been born again. Whether you have been born again. If you are still having the old man, the old things have not passed away. The old things have not passed away. That everything, all things have not become new, then you'll be deceiving yourself if you say you are in the faith. Then it means that you have been disqualified. But I would say we should all test ourselves because we are supposed to be in union with Christ Jesus. And if you find that you are not in proper union or oneness or unity with Christ, it means that you are disqualified. And it's better to do that now, to rectify it, correct that now, than on the day of judgment for Christ, you said, I never knew you. Praise the Lord. If you agree with me, clap your hands for Jesus. So, from these three things, from these three, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the new birth, and union with Christ, we have, we have a definition, what we define as the gathering of the saints to form the universal church. There's what we call the universal church. We are a local church. All of us in this auditorium, we form a local church. A local church. And local churches belong to denominational churches. A local church is 
group of people who gather to worship in one place. That's a local church. We also have a denominational church, which is Presby, Methodist, FCAC, uh, Action Ladder. These are denominational churches. But most important of them all is what we call the universal church. Because in every local church and in every denominational church, it's not all who are there who are saved. It is not everyone who belongs to a local church or a denominational church who is saved, who has the Holy Spirit indwelling him or her, who has the new birth or is united with Christ. Not, not all. In fact, in some churches, probably even hardly any. Hardly any. But God looks at everybody in the whole world, and it doesn't matter where you are, where you dwell on the face of the earth. Once you are born again, a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, you've been born again, and you are united with Christ, you belong to a church. We form one church. All such people, the saints all over the world, form one church. Though they may be on various locations on the face of the, of the, of the earth, they form one church called the Universal Church. And these are the ones, these are the ones who shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. And there are few. Compared to the total population of the world at any one time, the members of the Universal Church are very few, very, very few. Praise the Lord. And therefore, the purpose of the local church actually is to, is to make disciples, win souls, teach them, train them, equip them to be true members of the universal church. And that is why in a local church like FEAC, Tema or Teshi, um, I am not, though I'm determined that every one of us, this place being the house of God, the gate of heaven, every one of us are make it. But if a member proves to be unworthy, if a member shows that he or she is disqualified, we do our best. But if that doesn't work, I don't worry because that, it means that, that person doesn't belong to the universal church. So our aim, your aim, is to be actually to be one with the brethren who are in the universal church. Church, say amen. amen. The Bible therefore says one body. Our text, Ephesians 4, verse 4. Bible says one body. There's one body. There are a lot of ones in these are three, three uh, verses. There's, verse 4 says, there's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope. If you're called, three ones already. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, six ones. One God, seven. These three verses, we see seven ones. The word one being mentioned seven times. And throughout the scriptures, 
It is expressed again and again on various forms and using various terminologies. So, we are told that there's one body which we all belong to, just one. Um, it's, it's, it's very, very important, very important to realize that it is, it is good, beneficial, to always aim to be part of this one body. You are not outside this one body. Because in this one body, we have one spirit. One spirit in, one, in that body. There's one body and one spirit. And then we have one calling. There's one calling. And that calling is our hope. That calling is our hope. So all Christians are called with one hope. In the local church like this, God wants us all to have the same one hope. Because if we, have, we all have the same one hope, then we, we, we are likely to be united, work together in harmony, and not create any division, no envy, no jealousy. If you know that one hope, and what is, that, what is the hope of your calling? The apostle ladies will say, oh, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, if you are joined to Christ, Christ in you, being joined to be union with Christ, then you can hope for glory. Your hope is glory. And that hope is Having an inheritance, again, I'll, I'll touch on some of these things during the revival. Inheritance in heaven forever. What is that hope? The hope is to have an inheritance in heaven forever. And there's one spirit. There's one spirit. I'll tell you other, and it's true. That in Christianity, we all have one spirit. And therefore, there, should be, there shouldn't be any competition. There should not be any competition, no envy, no jealousy. In most other religions, there are many spirits that they call gods. If you look at traditional worship all over the world, they are different. They are different. Uh, for example, in Ghana, maybe the, 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 the idol in your hometown is different from the idol in the in the town next to yours. They have different names. And you know that they are different. You know they are different. They, and you know they are different. There are as many gods as they are idols. So, in religions, apart from Christianity, there are many spirits. There are many spirits. And that is why uh, those who worship other gods always try to get, you know, there is, um, some are more powerful than others. Some spirits are more powerful. Therefore, you may claim to be powerful, but when you meet somebody who's more powerful, that person will defeat you. But in Christianity, there's nothing like the Holy Spirit defeating himself. 
Because one spirit. Praise the Lord. Many years ago, I worked in a, one of the African countries where they believe very much in juju. And most people will protect themselves by having some kind of what you call juju. That's um, uh, traditional powers. And some of them, so when you have an accident, in, the, in case you are in a vehicle, and the vehicle gets involved in an accident, you just disappear, you vanish, and appear in your house. Um, and they will tell, you see, when you go for the juju, they will tell that that, that, that juju is that, it just for this power. So anything outside that, you, do, it, 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 you know, you are vulnerable. Or you go for an so you, uh, when they shoot you, no bullets can penetrate your skin. You see that they have specific uh, things for, for everything. And can you, my brother, my sister, can you get, uh, can you itemize all the things you need and then forget you do to cover all of them? Is it possible? It's not possible. You see how the devil works. So, you probably go for one or two. You go for one or two. All the other ones, you don't qualify for them. So it means that if you fall into a gutter, you can die. Bullets may not, will not hurt you. You may not die in an accident, but you fall into a gutter and die. It doesn't make sense to me. Because there are many gods, and even in talking about the bullets, they say the bullets will not hurt. But if you meet somebody who has a, very, a more powerful gun, now your skin, <laughs> now your skin, the person will shoot you and you surprise. Because we, when I was there, I used to have uh, motor accident victims. People are involved in accidents. And when they bring them to the hospital and we are trying to save their lives, busy trying to save their lives, you know, uh, they are not worried about their, their, about their injuries. They are worried about the fact that they are injured. I'm, I'm, am I not supposed to be uh, uh, what, uh, immune to accidents? Is what I mean? Am I not supposed to be immune to accidents? How come I've had an accident? So that, and you tell them, you know, that's what they are worried about. That's what they are worried about. Amen? But we have one spirit, the Holy Spirit. And therefore, one, the Holy Spirit covers everything. He being God, takes care of you, whether it's bullets, whether it's accidents, whether it's gutter, anything, he can deliver you from them. And may God deliver you from them all. You don't have to go for protection for everything in life. It's not possible. But because we have our spirit and he's the most high God, he protects us and keeps us from anything that can possibly go against you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Clap your hand for Jesus. So, we have one spirit. There's one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling. We all belong to one body. We have the same spirit, the Holy Spirit, one spirit. And we all have the same hope for calling. So, your hope for calling should not be different from the hope of, the, of your brother or sister. And then verse 5 says, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Again, one, one, one. God is not the author of confusion. God, the God that we serve, he is not the author of confusion. One, one, one. Unity, oneness. 
That is all. There's one Lord. And now the Lord Jesus Christ. One Lord. The Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have any other Lord. Jesus, same yesterday, today, and forever. There's no other Jesus. So when you mention the name Jesus, the name was given before he was being born. When you mention the name Jesus, everyone knows, including the kingdom of Satan, that you're referring to Jesus, the Son of God, one Lord. And because we have only one Lord, because we have only one Lord, we have only one faith. Hmm. Only one faith. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. If we are different laws, then we can have different faith, as the traditionalists do. They have different gods, different idols, so they have different faith. They, some, some of them worship on, you know, they have different ways of worshiping. They do things differently. But we have one faith. And our faith is based on belief in Jesus. So that when you go somewhere, you may be somewhere else. And um, even you are in a so-called church, you are in a so-called church, and things are happening in that church, that shows that it is not that one spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the same faith. Not the same faith. Then you have no business staying there. I remember many years ago, my wife joined this church at Medina that I was in Atimwata. And Tessa, actually. Medina. And uh, it was Christmas. One of the festival occasions. And all the women were asked to bring cooked food and bring to the church for, for the breaking of bread. So they all have a party. So someone cooked food and uh, added spices. And the, the spice was garlic. Small amount of garlic in the, in the stew. I don't even know how garlic smells like. But when they got to the church and the pastor entered the auditorium, Immediately, that pastor was able to smell the garlic. Among the about 50 dishes or 100 dishes, he could smell that there was one of the students that had garlic. And he began to question, who brought the garlic here? In Ghana, and this one was supposed to be an apostle, called an apostle. He was so angry. No more garlic here. No more garlic here. Who brought the garlic here today? Who brought the, the person must own up. You are, not, you, are, you are not supposed to bring garlic. Is the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, is he, is he afraid of garlic? Is he angered by garlic? Praise the Lord. And yet, there were many people in the church. There were many in the church where the pastor is afraid of garlic. Hello? Years ago, I, had, I got a chance to visit a certain bishop. You may know him. One of the top most bishops in, 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 in Accra here. I went, we had a meeting, and when I, I, I had a bath, you know, dress up, and I added a small amount of perfume, just one for myself. I couldn't even smell it. And when I, and there were many people there. When I entered, the, 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 we were having it in his house, in his hall. When he entered, who, who brought the perfume here? Who came here with the perfume? I don't like that at all. I don't like that at all. In fact, I didn't even, I didn't forgotten that I was the one wearing the perfume. So it took me some time to I, I was the one. 
But I was careful not to. If I had said me, he probably had slapped me. He was so angry. Because of perfume. <laughs> Since then, I began to have question marks over that bishop, over the, the integrity. And not that he was allergic to perfume, not that he made him sneeze or cough or anything, but he just didn't like perfume. And he was so angry. So angry. And one of the leading bishops in Ghana or Accra here. Since then, I began to have, or not that, I started having question marks over that bishop. One spirit, one faith, one Lord, one baptism. Because we have one Lord and one faith, we cannot have two baptisms. We have only one baptism because we are baptized into the Lord. And that Lord is Jesus. And baptism, with the water baptism, is being baptized into Jesus Christ. And if there's only one Lord, one Jesus, and one faith in him, then there must be one baptism. That even the way we baptize, the way we do baptism might be the same. By immersion, not by sprinkling a few drops of water on your head. We are baptized into Jesus. And when you baptize with Jesus, it means that you and Jesus have become one. You are joined to him. He is in you. You are in him. And you are in the Father. The Father is in you. Amen. Amen. So there's only one baptism. One baptism. And I thank God that um, I was baptized by immersion later. I, I was born into the Presby Church many years ago. And I was baptized with drops of water on my head. And then later on, they say, well, confirmation. You know confirmation? And then, but I don't know, I don't know where they got that from, from. But baptism and then confirmation and then other things. And when I became born again, uh, and I really, I truly understood what baptism meant. Where I was, there was no river. There was no water body. The only place I could be baptized was, was under a bridge, a gutter under a bridge. And uh, that was in the Church of Pentecost many years ago. So I was actually baptized. Uh, it was a clean, not, not, not like the gutter we have in Committee 1 here. Anyway. It, was a, it, was a, it was a flowing under a bridge. And that's where I was baptized. That was the only water we could get where they could immerse me. And I still have my baptism certificate issued by the Church of Pentecost. I still have it. This was 1981, there about, many years ago. One baptism. Church, say Amen. And then finally, we have one Father. Verse 6. One God. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And in you all. In other words, there's only one true God. Never forget that all your life. There's only one true God. And when you know this, when you've gone through the two steps above, above the, the, the body, one body, one hope, one spirit, one faith, one baptism. By the time you get to the only, by that time, you, by this time, you have got, come to one true God. And no one should be able to deceive you. No one should be able to present with you, to you, another God. No one can present to you or begin to teach you another God. In fact, you reject it. You cannot just accept it. If you actually know these basic principles. 
There comes the fact that there's only one true God. And he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if anyone should ask you, so who is this God we're talking about? Don't, say, don't just say God. Anyone can say God. Anyone says God, anyone can say God and get away with it. But this God we're talking about, God the Father, is the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You've mentioned God, which is the Godhead. In this definition, you've mentioned Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. And being in Jesus, it means that this God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is also your God and Father. And this definition, when you say this, no one can challenge you. It clearly is like, excuse me, like dialing somebody's mobile phone number. It cannot go anywhere else. It's end-to-end encrypted, as you see. It goes to the person. It can't go anywhere else. It goes to that person. Straight. So when you say the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, then you're talking of the only true God. He is our Father. He's our Father. Some of us who are, who are orphans, <laughs> people think that only children can be orphans. Once you love your father and mother, you are an orphan. <laughs> Amen? Even if you are 80 years old, once you, your, 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 your parents are not alive, you are an orphan. But we have a father who is eternal, who is forever, and who is greatest of all. Far greater than our biological parents. And he's God, God our Father. And from this Father comes one family. Again, one family. And that is the Universal Church. We, have, we are one family and we form the Universal Church. So we can see that in Christianity, there is and there must be complete unity. No division in the church, no hatred in the church, no jealousy in the body of Christ, no insults, no looking down on anybody, no worshipping of anybody. We are all members of one body. And God the Father is Father of us all. And, is, and he is the one who is above all, and through all, and in you all. So, if you look down on your brother, you are looking down on God. If you despise your sister, you are despising God. Bible says, from now on, we don't regard anyone again according to the flesh. In other words, now we regard each other according to the spirit. So, don't look at a brother or sister as just a mere human being, but there are some things that God has deposit in that person that should make you be happy for him or for her. I mean, pray for him or for her. And not despise or envy or even insult or fight or be angry with him. Praise the Lord. So there's complete unity between the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, there are three. But the unity between them is so 
complete and so perfect that they still form one God. God is one. We don't have three gods. Though we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, we still have one God, the Godhead. Because the unity between them is that you cannot differentiate between them. They are, they are, they are co-equal. They are equal in all natural and moral attributes. Everything that God the Father has, God the Holy Spirit also has. They are co-equal in power, in everything. In love, in kindness, same. Praise the Lord. There are three. Three persons in, in one God. Three persons in God. So, in theology, we refer to them as the tri, triune God. Three in one God. Triune God. You can't take one out and say, well, now there are two. No. Three in one God. Triune God. God in three persons. The Trinity. These are all terms that refer to the, the unity of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Triune God. Three persons. Co-equal in all attributes. The Trinity. And yet, they are one. They are one. The Godhead. One God. This is what theologians call compound unity. We don't have this sort of thing in the world. This is something that belongs to the spirit realm. We don't have three persons who are one. No, we don't have. So people tend not to understand. And it's something theologians call compound unity. They are three, and yet they are one. Three, yet they are one. You don't see that in the world. You don't see that on earth. It's like the love of God. When we talk of the, God's love for us, we think that with the way we love each other, that's how it is. No, far more than that. Um, greater love has no one than that a man should lay his life for his brothers. We don't actually, because that, the love that God has for us, we can't, we can't appreciate it. We don't have it. So we, we, we know the Bible says we don't understand it. We can't, we can't imagine it. We can't quantify it. In the same way, the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, being one, Three in one is something that you just have to accept it. Because you cannot rationalize it. You cannot work it out here on earth. With your small mind, you can't understand. And that is how it is. And because of all these, as I said, there must be, there should be unity, there should be unity in the church. There should be one unity in the church. So this unity in Christianity, this teaching is to reinforce the idea that we as believers, being one, must have unity. Love one another. You know, what you have, the same as your, your, your brethren have. And that we are more spiritual than natural or physical. We have one hope. We have one hope. And we are all getting the same destiny. In heaven forever. We form one body, one spirit. We have one faith. One faith. And we all have one baptism. We've all gone through the same baptism. We all have one Father who is in us, and you are in Him. It's also to help you to also identify genuine churches and fake churches.
Because we come to a stage where now churches elsewhere are now doing same-sex marriage. Same-sex marriage. They are marrying same-sex. We come to a point where even those who call themselves pastors, reverends, when you go to America and other places, they are in parties, they are politicians, they are reverends. They are, they are members of parties, they are standing for Congress or Senate, and yet they endorse abortion. The party's policy is pro-abortion. And we have reverend ministers who are in these parties. They are congressmen and senators. And they are in parties that endorse abortion. You may find ourselves elsewhere, and if you listen to me uh, anywhere in the world, I find it hard to believe that anybody who calls a genuine Christian can be in a party that endorses the practice of abortion. Now, remember, at one time, one time, the the what, Speaker of Congress in the America, in America, who belongs to the Democratic Party who believe in abortion. She was refused communion in America. Her own local diocese, or cal- they said they would not allow her to take communion. This woman flew to Rome, to Rome, and the Pope himself administered communion to her. <laughs> Can you imagine? So are we talking about the same faith, the same spirit? Are we part of the same body? Have we all been to the same baptism? We've come to a stage where now in the world, because of skin color, skin color, people sort of have compromised on their faith. They've left their faith because, of my, my, because I'm black, because it's my brother, or because it's my brother's church. My brother, the founder of this church, I must be a member of that church. Though that church doesn't do anything that shows that any of these things are in it. Yeah, because the church, my brother is the pastor there, I must be in that church. That they say where we are. But I hope that today, tonight's teachings will open your eyes, give you understanding, give you wisdom. Open your eyes so that you know how to work carefully with God. So I know I will deceive you and cheat you out of your inheritance. So you will not be deceived and be cheated out of your inheritance. In Jesus' name, let's all therefore practice the unity in Christianity. Just say amen. amen. Clap your hand for Jesus. Thank you for participating in this Tuesday evening's teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.